Hello, and welcome back to One Star Bazaar, where we review the movies critics hated in search of the unfairly underrated. This week, we bring you a movie not even Google users could manage to rate above one star. We're just going big in our uh, return from our midsummer break and reviewing what many believe would be the worst movie of 2018. 2018, right? Yeah. Holmes and Watson. This is a movie where we have to go into it thinking, how bad can it really be? Like, everyone hated this movie. So it's logical, right, to think, is it that bad? I mean, we know it probably will be, but... Anywho, Holmes and Watson was directed by Eaton Cohen, written by the same, and was released in theaters Christmas Day of 2018. And one thing about that is, like... If you release a movie on Christmas, you're pretty sure it's going to be a big movie. Right. Like, you think it's good. Yeah. So, they obviously had high hopes for this. Yes. More (laughs) on that theme, I think, as we dive into it. Because I honestly do have that thought. This movie stars Will Ferrell, John C. Riley, and Rafe Fiennes. So, no slouches, in a way. You know, very well-known actors. The synopsis of this film that we found is very generic and reads, Legendary detective Sherlock Holmes and his partner Dr. Watson return for a comedic take on their classic literary partnership as they use their incredible deductive minds to solve a mystery. Oh, a mystery, you say? I know it says deductive (laughs) minds, but every single time I've read that, I think it says detective minds. (laughs) Which would also be appropriate. Yes. So this film has an 11% on Rotten Tomatoes, a 24% on Metacritic, and only 39% of Google users liked it. So it's one star even by Google users' standards, which I don't think we've ever seen a movie that low. No, usually people who will watch a movie kind of go into it, you know, it's their cup of tea, so they generally are positive. I mean, you might have down in like the 60 to 70%, but I... Even bad movies will be like 90% on yeah, Google users. I've never seen reviews. one that low. <laughs> so the reviews were not kind. Um, Barry Hertz from Globe and Mail said, Holmes and Watson is bad, which might be one of my favorite reviews that we've ever I, had on this podcast. I really hope that that's all he said. Just one just page one in line, the newspaper, Holmes and Watson is bad. <laughs> Dana Schwartz of Entertainment Weekly said, If you choose to watch this movie, you'll be treated to an hour and a half of different versions of the same gag. What if, insert modern thing, somehow existed in Victorian times? Which, I mean, sure. Okay. Uh, David Edelstein of New York Magazine slash Vulture had one of the few positive reviews. He said, No brain cells are harmed by Holmes and Watson, just given a few hours to rest and regenerate. So... I mean, even for a positive review, that's... Oh, that's still a negative. That's like a backhanded compliment review, you know? <laughs> like, you're like, oh, thanks, and then you go home and think about it, and you're like, that's wait like the whole, a that's second. Like, that's like when you tell somebody, you know, you're about as smart as you look, and they're like, thank you, and you're like, wait a second. Wait just a minute here. We're going to go ahead and screen this dumpster fire with our extinguishers at the ready, and we'll be back with our review. So now that we have watched Holmes and Watson... Um, what do you say about the acting? Okay, I know I say this a lot, because the thing is, we generally only stick to bigger Hollywood 
films that have done badly. We're not Mystery Science Theater. We're not Rift Tracks. We're not sitting here poking fun at obviously badly made, you know, B-movies like low-budget independent films. So, again, the acting is generally not the problem. These are all professional actors, some of them being... uh, Did Ray Fiennes win an Oscar? I don't remember. But Oscar-caliber actors. um, You know, some of them being fairly recognizable character actors. So, really, the acting's not bad. At the same time, does anybody really think Will Ferrell is that great of an actor? Well, honestly, I was expecting their English accents to be a lot worse than they were. That's true. That that <laughs> was one point. And what I thought was interesting, too, was the woman... The American one. Well, her character's American. We don't yeah, know if she's no, she's British. American. That's my point. So, oh, okay. <laughs> um... So Rebecca Hall, who plays Dr. Grace Hart in this film, is British. She's in The Prestige, I, is where I recognize her from. And the uh, the other chick that's with her, I just realized she's the girl from Jurassic, Jurassic World. Jurassic World, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So Rebecca Hall is British, but is playing an American. These guys are Americans, obviously, playing British people. Um, I think there was somewhere else in the movie that the same kind of thing happened. I was like, oh, that's interesting. They don't sound very British, even though they're the one of the more British people here. The acting is fine, but at the same time, you got to be critical of Will Ferrell and to some degree John C. Riley. These guys are not beginners. They've been in many comedies before. Like, Will Ferrell is a very famous comedic actor. You know, I mean, he's been in a lot of hits, right? Anchorman... Elf, etc. Right, very Except, successful on SNL for. Many I mean, years. yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you were to have your 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 SNL Hall of Fame, he's definitely in that group. So it's really pretty sad when you're like, you know, for being such a famous funny man, like you're really not funny in this movie. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and I can understand. We'll we'll move on to the story in a sec and say that. Probably a lot of the problem was the story and the script, and it really kind of depends. We don't know how much the director, you know, wanted his vision and his comedy to shine through, and maybe that's where the problem was, and he didn't just let them ad-lib stuff and just improv and say, great, let's, you know, just just do your thing and let's see what works. But at the same time, like, they have enough power. I'm sure they helped produce this movie, if not, you know, one or both of them. So you'd think that they have enough enough power in Hollywood to to have some say and say, hey, you know what, we need to, you know, make this more funny. <laughs> um yeah. Anyway, your take, anything while I look this up? Um so yeah, I didn't really have much of a problem with the acting. I think some of it had the feel like it had in um cook-off where like maybe some of the scenes were just combinations of improvs or different takes on the same scene uh-huh. like maybe they went on a little bit too long because they were sort of trying to improv or make it a little bit better and it made it harder to make it a more cohesive scene without all of that in there so they kept it in yeah um so one of the things I do want to talk about with this story is this with this is like, so I didn't realize it was a parody 
from the trailers and everything. I just assumed it was more like of a, a fresh, fresh new take on yeah, like just a comedic. Well, I mean, yeah, there's been how it. many probably hundreds or at least dozens of Sherlock Holmes films made in the last hundred years, right? Yeah, I mean, you've got to recycle stuff in the public domain. It's like Peter know? Pan. <laughs> You're yeah. just going to get a rehash of it every generation or many rehashes every generation because, hey, like you said, public domain or like easily, you know, you can sign off for the 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 rights for another film. It's not on lockdown like Spider-Man. Poor um, Spider-Man. Yeah. But this is kind of a parody of the Robert Downey Jr. Jude Law Sherlock Holmes, right? Which you had watched recently. I did watch recently on my trip which is where I've been gone. For the last while, and uh, it was just on Netflix, and I hadn't seen it in a while, and it's you know it's still I thought a pretty enjoyable movie. And that one is more comedic, like it has the, it's the dramatic sure. moments, yeah. but it's more fun. It is fun. That's exactly it. It's joyous in its you know I mean it's not trying to be necessarily anything more than it is. Mm-hmm. And I think to some degree, well I'll get off on this tangent in a sec. Let me finish this thought. This movie definitely felt like a parody, and you're like, this is pretty late, right? This is seven years or eight years later? Like, what the heck? At least, most of the time when we have, like, the the really crappy, like, not-another-teen-movie-type parodies... Okay, first of all, that one is the best one of all of them. Okay, whatever. The point is, everybody knows which ones I'm talking about when I say those Mm -hmm. parody movies of the last 20 years... Yes. Meet the Spartans, Scary Movie, Vampire Seventeen, sucks. all of those. Like at least they're generally topical, even though they're bad. Like, but they'll still make fun of what's going on currently. Like I don't think they age very well. Yeah. Because you're like, what? You know? Oh, it was making fun of this weird movie from 2013. Like kids, just don't worry about it. Like that's what we'll be telling people. You know, if they watch it later on. But this, you're like. It was eight years ago. Why are you... What? This... Was this a... Is it like a movie 43 where it was on the back burner and just... <laughs> the writer was like, oh, I wrote this parody film for Sherlock Holmes like eight years ago when those ones came out and I'm still doing it. I don't care. I have enough money and power and now I'm doing it. Didn't they kind of do all like the math extrapolation scenes in the TV show version too? I don't remember. I... You talking about oh you the, the Benedict Cumberbatch? Benedict Cumberbatch? Yeah. I think to some degree, yeah, you kind of see the his mind doing the little calculations and stuff. They, I think they do visualize that. So here's the thing about mystery movies, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, like mystery novels are a staple, just historically, right? Like Agatha Christie and. Um, Raymond Chandler, right? Like these hard-boiled detective novels or British, you know, I mean, and and of course Sherlock Holmes, right? Like Arthur Conan Doyle. So the, the genre of mystery is one of the main genres in literature, in, in, in English literature, right? For the, for the last at least like hundred to 150 years, I would Mm -hmm. say. Right. And I think the problem is that has kind of been, not necessarily supplanted, but that has grown into in our modern day where TV has taken over as a mainstay in people's entertainment. Right. TV mysteries are the thing. And the problem there is I think it makes it harder to really make a compelling mystery thriller movie 
Because it's like, okay, yeah, like, it's... I have watched so many detective procedural shows, and I haven't watched nearly all of them. Like, I just... Like, five years ago, or whatever it was, when, like, Bones was in, like, season nine or something, or ten, I was like, you know what, I'm just... I'm done with this show. I'm done with these shows. Like, NCIS is now on, like, season 94 or something. <laughs> Plus all the spinoffs. And all the spinoffs. I was just like, I don't, I don't have time in my week. I have a job now and a career and children. Like, I can't just be watching, you know, I'm not my mother retired and just can watch, you know, two of these shows a night and go to bed, right? No, no disrespect to my mother. I mean, but... She doesn't listen to this. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. The point is, they've become so... Predictable? Well, yeah. I was going to say, they've become so uh, out there. You know, like, they've put their fingers and roots all over. You know, they've they've spread. I don't know the word I'm searching for. But yes, they've become predictable because I've seen it all. You know, it's always one of these people you've met. It's always, you know, one of these three possible... Reasons. Yeah. I mean, it's always in the, all these you know, stories. It has to be one of the people you've met already, because otherwise, it seems too out of left field, and typical yeah. audiences can't follow or can't understand why. Right. Like if you watch a if you watch a, any any detective procedural TV show, they're gonna bring in like three people in the interrogation room, and then it's always gonna be one of them. Ninety eight percent of the time. They'll, they'll be like, one, two, three. Oh, it was actually two. Go back to him, and then they arrest him, and he's the bad guy. This or, is oh, it was actually that first guy. Okay. This is another one of the ways we got really good at playing king of the show, where we would yeah, we'd be like, oh, <laughs> he's the bad guy. who the, who the killer know? was or who the bad guy was. So. <laughs> as early as possible. I like mysteries. And I honestly, like, movies are larger than television. And so it can be good, I think. They have bigger budgets for sure. They can go, you know, do cooler stuff. They're just, it's hard to be original in this format and in this genre because we've seen it all, right? I mean, there's been thousands of these stories told and they're, a lot of them are just the same versions of the others. I mean, there's a reason like every detective show at some point is going to have an episode where they investigate arson and like the arson investigator or one of the firemen or something or the insurance guy, one of them is the arsonist. Yeah. <laughs> Always. I was actually curious <laughs> while you were talking about, you know, the famous uh, mystery writers and Sir Arthur Conan Doyle and Agatha Christie wrote so, so long ago. Right. And they're still considered, you know, kind of the, the pinnacle of oh. mystery writing and it's hard to find a modern example who's as good because, you know, Agatha Christie wrote so many novels that basically everything is just a ripoff no, of what yeah. she did. I think it's pretty clear. Agatha Christie is still probably considered, I would say, the greatest mystery writer of all time. Yeah. And a lot of her a lot of her books that have been adapted into films, like those films or like plays. Like Murder on the Orient Express. Right. Well, I was thinking, I was reading about... Um, even one of the psych episodes was a version of, like, one of her books, yeah, I like think. Witness for the Prosecution, I think it was, is, like, a book she wrote, and then she adapted it into a play, and then it got turned into a movie. And, like, the movie was, like, one of the greatest courtroom drama, mystery, whatever, thriller movies ever. So, yeah, they're they're prolific. And then it makes it so sad when, like... You just get crapped on <laughs> by like 
by this? I don't know. I mean... So one of the things I will say about the story in this movie is I was not able to predict who the bad guy was. Or did you? No, I did not. But so, it kind of came guess, out of left field, I think. It, it did a little bit, yeah. <laughs> not to be too spoilery, but... Um, I know some people are okay with spoilers, but this one, I don't know. I don't know. I think Just we'll keep spoil it close it. to the vest here. No, we're going to keep Screw it close to the vest. <laughs> but the, another problem I had with this story was, or maybe this sense of parody in it, was some of the things in it seemed too outlandish. Like, first of all, there's a musical number. Yeah, that's random. Which, why? And second, there's um, this whole thing where Sherlock accuses Watson of the crime and that would never happen. Like he would never. Yeah. Like you don't have the buddy cop movie yeah. where one buddy cop, but like betrays the other. Buddy if anything, cop. the buddy cop gets accused of something and the partner is like, Oh no, I know no, you I, didn't, I know do, you it. didn't do it. Let's work did... together yeah. and clear your name. No kidding. And they didn't do that here, which was really disappointing. No. Right. And it's, it was great too. Cause Watson is basically like, Oh, like he gets accused and he's like, Oh, well, okay. So now tell us the truth and why you realized I wasn't the bad guy and who the bad guy really is. And Sherlock's just like, Oh no, you know, I wait, no, you're, you are the bad guy. And, and he's they like, also... what? No, no. Made Sherlock to essentially be like a bumbling idiot. Yeah, for being like, like the world's greatest detective. Into everything. He's not a very good detective in this film at all. Like no. he doesn't have any idea what's going on. No, at no. all. Um. So I saw you were on your iPad a whole lot. Did you find this movie boring? There were some parts. Yeah. I mean, it did it's, the problem is. Not so much boring as this movie wasn't at all fun. It wasn't enjoyable to watch. I didn't hate myself. I wasn't sitting there going like, oh, this is so bad. Like, oh my gosh. Like, it's just pointless and sad. That's really what it comes down to. Like, this movie is just depressing. Because I honestly <laughs> think, I honestly think that they tried. I think somebody actually thought this was a good idea and that this would actually, like, work as a movie. They had to have thought so. They released it at Christmas. Yes. Nobody releases a bomb at Christmas. Exactly. Like, and so it's, you know, they, they were like, hey, these guys, you know, Talladega Knights, Step Brothers, like, yeah, comedic duo, awesome. This will be hilarious. But, like, Sherlock, first of all, Sherlock in this movie was not at all, like, a likable character, right? No. Like he basically, he's like a, a, a know-it-all incel who just gets bullied and hates everyone. Yeah. But for some reason, Watson like is his best friend. Like Watson's the only person that they decide, Oh, we're the losers. We'll be losers together. And yeah. like, be best and, friends. And in other incarnations of Sherlock Holmes that we've seen, he's, he's still not a good person, but the performances make him likable. So with Benedict Cumberbatch's right. version, He's, you know, he's pompous, he's full of himself, he's um, cocky, he's, you know... But he's also somewhat... Um, rude, but he's personable still. He's, like, self-aware, so, yeah, right? Like, like he, he knows, knows he can be a dick. Yeah, and, and then he's in the like, yeah, sorry, junior version, he's just fabulous. In that, he's, like, <laughs> he's the kind of, uh, like, sarcastic, douchey, but, you know, in a funny enough way where, yeah, he's still charming is what yeah. it is. He's charming. I mean, Robert Downey Jr. is charming, right? Yes. Like, Iron Man is charming. And what's great about those versions is I think, actually in the case of both the Benedict Cumberbatch TV show and 
the Robert Downey Jr. Jude Law movies. And I haven't watched Elementary. Aren't they making a third one of third. the Jude Law, Robert Downey Jr. ones? Sure, that'd be great. I, like, I think they are. I, I generally like Guy Ritchie's films. I've not watched Elementary with Johnny Lee Miller and Lucy Liu. But I, and I and I'm curious if it's the same. I would, except it's on CBS and you can't stream it anywhere. Yeah, CBS sucks. Jerks. So in 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 the both of the versions that we've seen, like Watson doesn't take his crap. You know, yeah. like Watson is a great um, kind of. He's like Sherlock's conscience. I yeah, feel like. kind of. Yeah, I was gonna he say like, he's a good barometer for like or whatever. He's a good thing for keeping him in line. You yeah. Know? So, and just, and, and telling him, hey, you know what? You're being a dick right now. Stop it. And he's like, oh, okay. But yeah, in the Holmes and Watson version, Watson just goes along with Yeah, everything. Watson just is his, you know. He's his lackey. Yeah, and it's pretty sad. So, does this movie do anything well? I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, I feel like it's a bad thing when one of the most, like, the thing I got most excited for in this movie was the appearance of Braun, oh, Braun Strowman. yes. No, that was great. I loved every second of that. But the rest of it, I just felt like... It just it just seemed directionless. Even like, though, it didn't but, feel like it was going anywhere. You know what? Even that, though, like, the kind of... The, the joke, the physical comedy punchline of that scene was so predictable. Because he does the whole... He does the the Robert the Guy Ritchie Robert Downey Jr. Uh, movie thing where he's like it's showing his mind go through. Okay, the next thirty seconds are going to play out like this. I hit him here. He's going to double over. I'm going to punch him there, and it'll get you know he won't be able to hear anything, and his ears will be ringing. And then I'm going to hit him in the throat, and then he won't be able to breathe. And then I'll do this, and then like you know he'll pass out. And then I'm just I didn't I turn to you and I was like that's not at all what's going to yeah. happen. And like he <laughs> threw the thing, and the guy was just like brunk, and then beat the crap out of him. So it's even sad when, like, that, when the humor isn't even original. Like, I can understand the, the, the mystery not feeling that original, but you'd think that the humor in this would be more original. Even, like, there's, there's the part in the very beginning with, um, this, what do you call it with bees? Like an apiary of bees? Right. A bee colony in a glass case. Yeah. And I I was like, wait, there's they stole this from Pitch Perfect Three. Because <laughs> there's a part in like that. You know that the bees are gonna get the out. The bees are somehow gonna get out, yes. Yeah, of course. But well, that's the Chekhov Chekhov's bee, apparently. <laughs> Chekhov's <you know>? bees. <laughs> yeah, so some yeah, some of it felt very lazy. And then there's this whole like absurd sequence with the queen of oh, England. My gosh. You know, that actually was kind of funny. Just... It, it wasn't awkward funny, though, I feel like. Like, they think they've killed the queen. Yes. And that, Well, there was the one, you know, where he's basically like... Well, I don't remember what he says, but they're basically going about... They're about to start dismembering the queen to, like, flush her down the toilet. They because they Because they need to get rid her. of the body. Because her guards are standing outside. And they're just like, oh, no, we're fine. Everything's fine in here. And he said something that was, you know, like small pieces Watson or something, you know. <laughs> and I, I genuinely did laugh at that. And then, of course, she like sits up and is like, <gasps> you know. Yeah. Um, and she's fine. But she yeah, as far as that one review we read, do you would you agree with the whole, oh, insert modern anachronism into Victorian England and, and just try to hope that's funny? Yeah. So, I mean, they did, uh, they did a joke with like a selfie. Yeah. And they did a joke. They did like a ghost parody where they were like rubbing 
Oh, it was the aut- yeah, autopsy dead body. Autopsy ghost with, pottery. With this, yeah. And uh what were some of the other things? Oh, and then like the the late night booty call texts, like they did that over telegram. Oh yeah. Um Right. Um yeah, so there were some, like, recognizable things. Some of them, I feel like, fell flat. Some didn't. Well, most of them fell flat. <laughs> most of them fell flat. And, I don't know. So, I think maybe when you wrap it all up in an, a very sloppily packaged gift with a lopsided bow, like, stapled to it, <laughs> uh, do you wish you had not watched this movie? Or is it as bad as everybody said it was? Oh, I mean, it was bad. Here's the problem I had with it. I feel like it's not unwatchable. It's not unwatchable. No, it's not horrible. Like, it is bad. It's not the worst movie I've ever seen. By far. And it's not even like I'm angry. Like, it's not Snowman bad. That's my, (laughs) that is my barometer on this show. I've said it before for anyone. Was it as bad as the Snowman? For anyone who's not listening to us. Patient Zero is your new bottom. (laughs) But but the difference is Patient Zero, nobody's ever heard of unless they, like, randomly, was it on Amazon? Like, scour Amazon Prime or listen to our show, which is not many people either. But (laughs) maybe, I don't know, whatever it was. Um, This movie, watching this movie reminded me of my experience where we watched Cutthroat Island. Oh, okay. <laughs> it just makes you mad because you know how it could have been good? No, no, not at all. Oh, like, okay. I didn't think Cutthroat Island... I don't remember what I said about Cutthroat Island, honestly. I've blocked it you out. You said it made you mad because Pirates came out just a few years later and was so much better. Yeah, like six years later. Oh, yeah, sure. Like, yeah. it definitely could have worked, right. Um, no, the thing that I remember saying about Cutthroat Island is it bothered me because it had no... There was no fun. There was no joy in this movie. Right. For, and it was a comedy. How can you make a comedy that isn't fun to watch? Like... Just everything about it was not, they, it, it's like they weren't even having fun. And that's why I bring, I'll go back to what I s- said before. If the actors were just kind of having fun with it and improv and ad-libbing and just kind of, you know, throwing stuff at the wall and letting it see what would stick, I think it could have been better. And I don't know how much of that they were doing. I mean, obviously, Will Ferrell and John C. Riley have chemistry because they have made successful movies together before. Right? I mean, yeah. I don't think Talladega Nights is the greatest movie ever. And, I mean, it's nowhere near Will Ferrell's, like, one of his better films. Um, I haven't seen Step Brothers, I will admit. And I think a lot of people think that is it's, one of... It's no old school. That's one of their better films, you know. Uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely no old school. Yeah. Or Anchorman. Um, this movie just... I hate it, but I don't, like hate it. I don't know what I'm saying. You say something. <laughs> so, for me, I mean, I definitely feel like this movie is pretty forgettable. Oh, like, yeah. Like, I feel like some of the comedies we've watched, there's at least one moment, one or two moments, where you're like, okay, that was funny. And you kind of come out of it feeling okay about the movie as a whole. But, like, okay. I su- don't feel like this movie had any of those moments. Right, because Super Troopers 2, we did not like. We did not. However, there was like half of a decent movie in there. Yeah. Like it just, the other half fell flat and that just dragged the average down. This movie 
doesn't have that at all. Like, if there was a highlight reel of this movie, there wouldn't be anything in it. It was probably the previews, because how many other funny... I mean, and not even that, right? Like, I didn't. I definitely didn't watch the preview and think, oh, that's going to be hilarious. Yeah. You know? And even if I had, I'd probably have been like, oh, it's going to suck, because that's probably the only funny parts in the movie, because that's what theaters or, you know, movie studios do nowadays. They just release all the highlights in the, the in the trailer, and you're like, well, I feel like I've just seen the movie. Why, why bother, you know? Yeah. So I feel like this might be one of the rare instances on this podcast where the movie we've watched does deserve its one-star rating. <laughs> I'm sorry, rare instances? Yeah, rare instances. We watch a lot of movies that deserve a one-star rating. Not that many. Let's 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 rephrase this. This is one of the few times where both of us wholeheartedly agree. Okay. Not that's, just that's not fair. just one of us agreeing and the other half-assed agreeing or the other not agreeing. And it's always her. Yes, we, it's always we her. We both equally agree. It. This movie, this movie is bad. bad. <laughs> Can I say the thing that bothers me the most about this movie though? Yes. Okay. There is the ending, right? Uh huh. Where. You know, Victoria is going to be assassinated, Queen Victoria. And they're at this party, essentially christening the building of the Titanic. Yes. Okay. Victoria was dead for ten years before they finished building the Titanic. Like, the Titanic sunk on its maiden voyage, correct? Yeah, in 1812. 1912. 1912. Yeah. Presumably it was finished when, like... 1912 or possibly 1911 and they were just like were waiting for the right time to go or whatever you know making scheduling tickets and whatever right Mm -hmm. she died in 1901 now did you google this yes or did you know this no i googled this (laughs) okay well um but it bothered me because i was like that doesn't seem right you know i'm like i don't was she alive i don't know no she died yeah she died in 1901 so, like, <laughs> why? You know what I mean? Like, I understand rewriting history for a movie. I mean, geez, Quentin Tarantino keeps doing it. But, like, why go, why, why that, why? You know? <laughs> yeah. Why? I mean, I feel like they only, they wanted to go with two well-known things, and then they were like, oh, let's just pretend they happened at the same time, even though they didn't, you know? So this movie did not take the uh, Pompeii, strategy of making it as historically accurate as possible. Uh, they, no, uh, not at all. Went loose, loosey-goosey, willy-nilly with it. Yeah, like, <laughs> like they just didn't care. They were like, oh, those are some British things that all probably happened in the early 1900s. Yeah, sure, I'm sure they were at the same time. Whatever. <laughs> you know. All right, so final thoughts on Holmes and Watson besides don't watch it. Okay, I'll ask this as I often do, and I don't even think the answer is, I think the answer is no. Do you think there's a good movie in here anywhere? Like, do you, th- how, how much, how much of this would you keep if you're the editor uh-huh. and you can go back and say, like, you're the director slash editor and you can order infinite reshoots and say, no, we got to fix this scene. No, we got to redo this part. We got to do all that. How much do you feel like you have to scrap in order to make a decent movie out of this? I feel like Isn't it most you of the could movie? have gotten a decent, like, SNL sketch out of it. <laughs> so like 10 minutes, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, the only funny part for me was when they got really drunk and Sherlock was trying to do the math of peeing so he didn't pee on his shoes. Right. And it went wrong. And then, like, maybe the the fight with Braun Strowman 
and okay, that's that, probably yeah, it. that was okay. I mean, it, I, it was predictable, but it it was fine. Yeah. What I would say is this movie should have decided what it needs to be. Like, if it wanted to just be a straight up like parody, spoofing other cultural, you know, famous scenes. I mean, geez, they parodied Ghost. That was thirty years ago. <laughs> like. What? I mean, that would be... That's like if a movie nowadays parodied The Matrix or parodied The Godfather. Like, it's fine because it's a famous enough scene, but haven't hasn't it been already parodied probably in other things? Right? Yeah. So, if they were going to do that, they should have just straight up just made it a parody film. Right? They should have just gone whole hog and said, you know what? This is the not another teen movie you know not another de- not another mystery not another detective movie. yeah <laughs> not another detective movie starring holmes and watson you know and yeah. in that case if it had made that it probably wouldn't have had will ferrell and john c Riley. that's fine whatever probably not as much as okay like will ferrell has his career tanked and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, because obviously I think he is still very funny. He can be very funny. But, like, what is going on, you know? It's like what you see on Reddit where people talk about, like, Will Smith. Yeah. And they're like, man, like, peak Will Smith was the mid-90s, right? Mm-hmm. And then he kind of had a bit of a resurgence, like, ten, five to ten years later. I mean, he was in Ali. He was in Pursuit of Happiness. But then he made, like, After Earth and, um, I don't even remember, a few other movies that were, like, dramas that just didn't really land well. And so I think people, a lot of people are like, man, is Will Smith, like, washed up? Is he done? Like, is Will Ferrell the comedic version of that question? Yeah, I feel like his career has sort of... Is he just getting them checks? Like, does I mean, he... Did, he's, you know... he's not, like, Nicolas Cage getting them checks. Well, at least half the time, or like a third of the time, Nicolas Cage is weirdly good when he's getting them checks. Like he's also not like (laughs) Al. What's his What's his face? Robert De Niro getting them checks. Oh my yeah, no kidding. He's slumming it now. Um, But yeah, I feel like he he hasn't been in a good starring role movie for quite some time. So I mean, prior to that, he was in Land of the Lost, Step Brothers, Semi Pro. I know you don't like Land of the Lost, but I love that movie. Gotta hope get it. I, I hope it. I get it. Anyway, so thank you for joining us for this week's episode of One Star Bazaar. And a warm welcome back to my fabulous co-host and husband, Jonathan. Next week, we're going to watch a movie that neither of us has seen. The silver screen adaptation of The Lone Ranger. Starring Johnny Depp and Army Hammer. As always, feel free to reach out to us on social media at One Star Bazaar. Let us know how we're doing what you think what you want us to watch and we will try to see what we can do please rate and review if you're willing it lets us know you're listening and we truly appreciate the feedback so join us next week for lone ranger